experience in TV showed me to be open to paying attention to what's being done, learning these different businesses. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA, and your host for this very show. Well, for today, we have another in our short series of what I've called our second career accountant episodes. As you probably heard on a prior episode earlier this year, I decided to look for a few people that had a different career prior to working in accounting and talk to them about what they did how they transitioned, and what they enjoy now about what they do. Brian Goldbard is joining us for today's program, and currently he works in an accounting role for private equity, basically. But prior to that, he spent 17 years in television production. The time came when he realized that that particular field wasn't going to quite be fruitful enough to meet his needs, so he decided to invest in himself and go back to school. It was while pursuing a different degree, in fact, that he realized that he had an act for accounting, and the rest is history, as they say. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. We spend a substantial portion talking about his former career and and all the realities there, so there's quite a bit of insight. This was definitely a lot of fun to record. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, please share your thoughts on our show with a friend or if you're a student, maybe even with a professor so it can benefit other people. The more people that know about our guest interviews, the more of a difference we can make, of course. And as always, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career or for accounting associations that you may be involved in, please reach out to me as well. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's guest. Here's Brian Goldbard. Well, hello, Brian. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Well, for the audience, this is going to be another in our series of what I've called second career accountant episodes. I put out a call for people that started in another field and then transitioned into accounting after several years of doing something different. And someone I've actually met in the past surprised me and offered to come on the program. Brian Goldbard is joining us today. And Brian and I actually met briefly a few years back, probably more than a few years, at a student event. I remember that he seemed to be a non-traditional student, so to speak, and that I thought he had done something different previously, but I didn't know much else before now. Well, it turns out that Brian spent several years in television production prior to becoming an accountant. So this is going to be an interesting story for us. Well, Brian, before we get to your accounting career, and I do want to get to that, but let's make sure we cover your overall journey in some detail. Tell us about how that first career started. Sure, Mark. Well, I was uh, going to school in West Texas at Texas Tech University, and I was going for a math communications degree and started looking around at television stations to try and dip my toe into the world that I was getting into and got hired to the ABC station there and in Lubbock, Texas, and really just started on the floor running cameras for the newscast and worked my way up into commercial production, moving into producing local television commercials and then moving to other stations and throughout West Texas, 
ultimately becoming the production manager for a series of stations in West Texas, running the production and, and operations departments for newscast and, and on-air production and, and operations, uh, meaning the master control, the guys who actually switch in commercials and make sure the right show is on TV at the time. Did that for almost 20 years, actually, about 17, I think. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was maybe eight or nine, ten. I didn't realize. Yeah. Wow, 17 years. It's a long okay. time. <laughs> well, I definitely don't want to get out of that yet. I, If you don't mind, I have a few questions. Sure. Running cameras for the newscast, it's one of those areas where they wouldn't want a mistake to be made, you know? <laughs> it's live. And, is that an entry-level job? It is actually an entry-level job. Yeah, it's an entry-level job, and... Believe it or not, more mistakes happen than you would realize. And I, I can remember a very tragic newscast where everything that could go wrong from onset to offset did go wrong. You know, we had tapes that weren't making it. We had machines going down. The viewer probably was none the wiser, but if you were to listen to the headset track and listen to the production staff, you, you would know that uh, things were going crazy in the background. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I had no idea. I, I figured they would start people in something that is a little more forgiving if you make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, the less forgiving it would be the guy who's punching the buttons to switch between you know, cameras and tapes or the audio guy, which I did at one point during my career about each of those things. But yeah, it's not uncommon to see, well, back in that day, to see the first place you started in a television station was on cameras. Nowadays, they often have uh, robotic cameras, and so you see less of that type of stuff. But it was a thing back in the day, you know. Wow. And so you worked your way up in this career. You said you were a production manager for several stations. You worked mm -hmm. your way up the food chain. You yeah, I definitely did. Okay. definitely did. After a few years, I got ported to another set of stations. Some of my clients that I was working with in commercial production were working with another station as well, and they kind of put my name into the hopper for trying to get a job over there. And then the opportunity came up to move into management, and, you know, run both the commercial production department and start a newscast and also run the, the operations of the station, which is, like I said, the master control where commercials are switched into a program or the right program is determined to be put on the air and that kind of stuff. And so I moved into that role and did that for, I want to say, seven years I did that. Wow. So working in this world, is it glamorous as we think it is? I mean, I just I think about when Mountain Public and you see someone that you you recognize from TV and say, oh, yeah, that's the Channel 5 news guy. <laughs> that kind of thing. Does it just sort of become every day for you? Yeah. I mean, I think as with any job, it, it becomes the job and you, just, you get used to what you're doing. And I do remember the first time I saw one of the anchors that I had seen on TV and they walked in the back door of the station wearing their makeup, and I was like, who is that? And then later realized who it was. <laughs> you know, so that kind of stuff happened. But for the overall, I think it's a job, and it still can be hard work. You know, if you're out in the field doing the commercial shooting and stuff like that, you're, you're carrying around a, at the time a you know, 25, 30-pound camera and a tripod that weighs just about as much and batteries that weigh just about as much. <laughs> Okay. Stuff. So it's hard work and there's benefits to any job. And in, in that case, you sometimes get little perks thrown at you just because you're in the position you're in and people are trying to promote things. But overall, it was a fun job to have. It was a good job, but it still was work. Okay. So I'm curious, 
What caused you to start thinking about accounting or what caused you to decide to maybe look to do something different as a career? Sure. And the accounting was not something that I was specifically looking at. So honestly, I decided I was going to go back to school. The reason I decided that was I was looking at the industry I was in and I saw a contraction of ownership groups. So used to you would have every station was owned by a different owner in a market. So you take the Lubbock market, you have ABC, a CBS, and NBC, and Fox at the time, and each one of those stations would be owned by different owners. Oftentimes, they were owned by local ownership groups. So you had you know, a guy who, when you walked to the corner office, he was both the owner and the general manager. So you were talking to the guy. The decisions were made locally and all that kind of stuff. And what I had noticed was, after all the years that I was in the business, I saw you now had oftentimes multiple stations in a market owned by one owned or operated by one ownership group. So uh, take, for example, the Lubbock market again. The ABC and the CBS are operated out of the same building. Or in San Antonio, the NBC and the Fox are operated out of the same building. And then you had... So, so there was that. There was automation coming in. So I mentioned earlier about the robotic cameras. So there was less people needed and, and involved. Because you had all of these stations now operated in one place, you had less people needed. So your news department, if you watch the news departments of either of the stations that are owned by the same people, you're going to see the same reporters. So the anchors might be different, but the reporters will be the same. And so there's less people involved. There's less jobs. And ultimately, just a lack of mobility. So I, I didn't see a trajectory for me from where I was at to continue growing in the industry. And so I said, well, let me go back to school. And I went back to school, came to San Antonio where my family was, and went to the Alamo Colleges and started getting some of my basics that I needed to get out of the way because I never did finish my degree at Texas Tech. My intent was to go into information systems or information security, which is a fine degree and has a lot of use going forward with the age we're in. But in taking the preliminary courses, I've had to take principles of accounting. I begrudgingly did so. <laughs> so, And I'm not the, the only one that I ever heard this story from. So the interesting part was when I took that class, I scored 100% on my uh, principles of accounting class. So all the exams, everything came out to 100%. Wow. So that professor started pushing me towards a career in accounting. And I was like, well, I don't want that. That's not where I, where I see myself. <laughs> and she said, well, you need to see yourself in that kind of a career and you're really good at it. So then I took the second principles class and got the same story from that professor. They started pushing me. And again, I continued saying, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Transferred to, to the university at University of Texas San Antonio. And all the while, I had those two professors taking or pushing me into little get-togethers. As you know, Mark, the San Antonio CPA Society puts on career nights and that kind of stuff, or back in the pre-pandemic days anyway. So I went to those kinds of things and things that UTSA was doing and kept hearing about these CPAs that accounting wasn't their first uh, goal that they had options as well. And so they weren't necessarily just the bean counter that you hear about or the guy sitting in the dark room with the green visor and the one tiny lamp on the desk, that there were other jobs you could do with a, a CPA license and as an accountant. So I started giving it a, 
a genuine thought about potentially changing into uh, an accounting major. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about how I don't really know any jobless accountants, or if they are jobless, they're not jobless for very long. And then also that, and this is a sad fact, but if a business does go under the last person out the door, generally is going to be the accountant and the lawyers. You're at least going to have a job to wrap up the books, and you don't want to think that way, but it does happen. And so you've got a job, and then probably likely, unless you're doing something that you shouldn't have been doing anyway, to be able to transition to another. Yeah, there is always a need for accountants. I tell people that businesses are making money, they need accountants. And when they're losing money, they need accountants more. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. So what was it like? I guess, how did you get your first accounting position out of school? Did you do internships while in school? I know you were very active in terms of the events you were mentioning, but what was it like transitioning into the first job or internship? Was it relatively easy? Did you have to work to find it a little bit? I had to work to find it because since I made the decision as late as I did to go into the accounting world instead of, you know, the information systems and information security world, I was behind the eight ball. And as you know, the recruiting, especially the college recruiting for the accounting world is is very regimented on a specific timetable. And I missed it. So I missed all the big four campus visits. I missed basically everything except for one. And so I had been doing interviewing while I was going back to school anyway for the job that I took to transition between TV and getting into my degree. Um, I moved up there as well. I was working for a call center and I moved up from taking calls. And, and, you know, talk about a humbling experience. You go from being a production manager to taking tech support calls for internet services, you know. But that was a decision that I made with the ultimate end goal. And so when I I used that kind of as my practice for interviewing. And so when I got to the point of interviewing, I nailed my first interview, which was with an accounting firm. And then I did an attack and internship. And at the same time, I had also interviewed one of the big banks to be a business analyst, try other things out other than the traditional tax or audit that, that everyone tries to push people into and landed each of those roles and did an internship with J.P. Morgan Chase. And that one turned into, turned from a 10-week internship to them wanting to hire me pretty much immediately within a few weeks. And they kept trying to get me to stick with them. And I, I told them, well, I, I really kind of want to try my hand in the, the actual traditional accounting firm roles. So they extended my internship from being a summer internship to lasting through the end of the year when I would start my next uh, my next role. That was a tax internship. Did a tax internship here locally in San Antonio. And then had a role to start with uh, Deloitte in Dallas as an auditor. And all of this comes from the fact that I had a, a great mentor who was my professor. As you know, Dr. Sanders. She's wonderful. Okay. She pointed me in the right direction. She showed me alternative places to interview, such as the Alpha Convention. And so there I was able to interview with uh, two of the big four that I didn't get to interview with previously. And then the biggest thing for me was keeping my grades up and making sure that I had, I, I could walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And so having those high grades got me into that first job. Wow. Wow. So how long did you stay at Deloitte? I was with Deloitte for about two years. Two years? Okay. okay. Yeah. 
Good deal. Yeah, what did you, you were on the audit side, right, you said? That's correct, yeah. Okay, okay. What did you enjoy about audit, and was there anything that wasn't quite the right fit? I did like audit, and I felt like from an analytical standpoint, for me at least, I was, I felt that it was, uh, that it was rewarding because you were able to look into things, you were able to to be analytical on certain elements. You were able to both work with the client while also making sure that you were doing what you were supposed to do, which is looking after the, the capital markets, essentially. So you're out there and you're working with a client on a regular basis. I had a couple of clients that were year-round clients for me, and I had great teams, and I learned a ton I felt like my teams were smaller, which gave me a better, almost a small experience, even though I was in you know, one of the largest, largest firms. Hmm. I know that a lot of people don't necessarily have the same experience that I had, but for me, it was a good experience, and I feel pretty lucky to have been on the teams that I was on because I saw big clients, but with small teams, and so I got to see a lot more of the audit than maybe someone who's on a huge team in their literally only looking at cash or only looking at AR or, you know, something like that. Okay. Okay. So now obviously you transitioned out of Deloitte. What do you do now exactly? Are you with an investment company? So I'm with a fund administrator. So the company I work for does the accounting for private equity funds. And so we are separate and apart from the fund itself, but we do the accounting for them and we work closely with the fund managers. Okay. Were you on that team at Deloitte? Is that how you ended up jumping into that space? Or? Interesting. No, this is another testament to at least my experience at Deloitte. When I put my notice in, it was a hard decision, but when I put in my notice to Deloitte, the partner for the team that does investment, the investment managers and, and that kind of stuff, reached out to me and wanted to give me the background on what I'd be seeing because he knew that I didn't have that experience. So even though, again, like I said, maybe my experience is not traditional with what everyone else has experienced in Big Four, but what I found was that even though I was leaving the firm, they were still taking an interest in developing me to make sure that I can go out there and be the best I can in the world that I'm moving into. And so with that partner reaching out to me, he gave me a lot of the the tools that I needed and, and background and some of the guidance that I would be using, which is different than traditional the regular portions of the the codification, he gave me a lot of the background that I would need to be able to hit the ground running in my new role. Wow, that is generous. That is generous. Okay. Okay. How long have you been with the fund administrator at this point? I've been here for three and a half years now. Okay. Going through my fourth audit of the funds that I'm on, so all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> When you originally contacted me, for some reason, back in my mind, I knew that you were somehow tied to the finance world. And I thought you came out of banking before becoming an accountant. I had no idea it was television production. For some reason, I had in my mind that you had worked at a local bank and (laughs) (laughs) something credit analyst or bank management. I don't know why. I had you pegged for a former banker. So. When I got into going back to school, and you kind of met me during that phase, I I really tried to lay low because, as you mentioned, I was a non-traditional student. And so, you know, going back to school is is pretty daunting when you're 
in your 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever age someone goes back to school and you're there with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds and you go in thinking, well, am I going to fit in? Am I not? You know, am I even here to worry about that? Which, honestly, going in, I wasn't. But when you find the right people that can guide you and, and all that kind of stuff, you find at home, but at the same point, I think the age gave me the professionalism to know how to act, and maybe that's what gave you that, uh, that feeling. That's true. That's true. So now that you've been in the accounting world a while, what do you like about this career? What do you like about this career path? Well, at least for me and where I'm at now, I don't see the same thing two days in a row in hmm. And I kind of felt that way even in, in the audit world is there's something new always out there. And I have that ability to, to see different things, to challenge myself. Sometimes that challenge is just simply, this is something we do on a regular basis, but we're kind of inefficient in the way that we do it. Is there a way that I can make it better? Is there a way that I can either improve our process or make things function easier or work better, basically? Are there systems that I can implement? Are there formulas that I can you know, learn? Ultimately, it's like everything else. As a CPA, you look at things and you it's a lifetime learning license is what I call it. And so you're always learning something new anyway. So are there trainings that I can take that can improve my role and improve my job and make things better? So for me, what I enjoy about it is that I just enjoy the variety of what I get to do. Yes, there are things that are the same, but do I always... You know, look to be doing it the same way, or do I look to improve it? Okay. I'm curious, and you already maybe alluded to this a little bit, but how do you feel your prior experience, your first career, and going through that, and the knowledge that you got through that maybe has benefited you in your second career? Is there anything you can sure. point back to that you're like, you know, I, I learned this back then? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it is, especially in TV production, I got to, you know, I was going out doing commercials for all sorts of businesses. So I got to experience and already learn a lot of different types of businesses, believe it or not, be it banking or you know, restaurants and that kind of stuff. And so you learn the basics. You don't necessarily learn the full day-to-day operations. But I think my experience in TV showed me to be open to paying attention to what's being done, learning these different businesses. And going into the audit world, I actually was able to take the, the same, you know, in some ways, there was a similarity there in that you're going into a different business and you have to learn what they're doing to be able to audit it and you have to be critical of things. And, you know, so all of that, I think those are similarities there, but also the fact that I have the age and those experiences and working with people from a professional and even personal standpoint gives me the ability to be a little more critical and ask questions that maybe when I was 20 years younger, I might not have thought of, but now I've been through certain things that have caused me to ask those questions. And honestly, I think that that's another thing that when I went through my interviews that led some of the people who were interviewing me to, you know, to choose me as they saw that my problem solving and my, my way of thinking was a little bit different than the other people that they were interviewing. That makes sense. Yeah, you were bringing extra value that you can only get through having those experiences. So, yeah. Exactly. Definitely. Well, I'm curious, knowing what you know now and where you are now, looking back, is there anything you think you may have done differently? Maybe made the choice a little bit earlier because I was hesitant to change careers. 
you know, I was comfortable. But I did see the writing on the wall probably a little before I made the choice. But honestly, I don't necessarily regret anything that I've done. I think that I've made uh, overall gotten to where I want to be and, and done the things that I want to do and been able to, having had a couple of careers, be able to see more than maybe some people who only do one career, gotten to experience more things. I feel like taking the big four route or just even the CPA firm, even if it's a local or medium size, helped me get my way into industry. I think that those firms, there's a, a definite role there for accountants, and I think a lot of people are very, very successful there. For me, I didn't see that as my long-term goal, but I think that it helped me build my knowledge, and I think it was very valuable to get that experience and show me the role of lifetime learning, show me the role of being critical. I think I'm better at what I do now because of having been an auditor, you know, because as a controller, I don't look at my role as to just rubber stamp anything or let things flow. I ask the same questions I would if I was an auditor. I ask my staff to prove why something is the way it is. I do so to, A, teach them and pass that along to them and help them learn, but B, to make sure that I'm not letting things through that probably should get through. Sure, sure. You moved up rather quickly where you are. Oh, well-deserved, I'm sure, but, I mean, you've done very well. That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, I end every show with the same three questions, and I want to get to those because there's a lot of value in, in these answers as well, and I want to make sure you have enough time. The first one is usually the easiest. From a career perspective, and either career is fine, but from a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? I think uh, I would say my proudest moment is uh, is I've been promoted within the current company twice within two years, and so I've been there three and a half years. And I I, I both owe it to the people that I work with and for because I think that they've been a boost to me. I feel like I've been supported, but also. I've worked hard for it, and uh, my company definitely rewards the people who work hard. It's not common within this company, though, to be promoted twice within two years. And, and so for me to be in the role that I'm in is, as quickly as I got there is very, very rare. And so, you know, that's a very proud moment for me. Yes, yeah. And it's wonderful to be with an organization that is willing to recognize the ability and the accomplishments. So, yeah, that is wonderful. Well, second question, tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. And and this can be from any point in life, but tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we all learn from these things. Sure. Well, the biggest thing that I I like to tell people, and knowing how to communicate is key, especially when you're working with a client or a coworker. And so for me, I've learned this in both careers. In my TV production career, I often dealt with clients and people who didn't value the service that we were providing and stuff like that. And so they were calling and asking why they were getting billed for the the work we were doing and and stuff like that. And as an auditor, you know, you or in, in that role, I had to basically be able to talk to them and smooth things over. Well, as an auditor, you know, I also had to deal with the client. And sometimes the way you come at, come at a person can either yield cooperation or combativeness. And so really quick, you learn how to smooth a question. Rather than saying, hey, explain this to me. It doesn't make sense. 
you can ask the question, can you show me how to understand this? Because I just don't understand this. And maybe you can explain how I can get to the same numbers that you're getting to. Or, you know, something like that. The difference in that really kind of makes the difference in the way your client is going to work with you. And so as an auditor, I learned really quick how to, to work towards cooperation rather than combativeness. Don't go in accusing someone, you know, hey, this doesn't make sense. You've got to be misstated and instead ask for them to help you understand because maybe they'll work with you, explain it, and might actually be some truth in the way that they're doing it. Probably is. I would like to think that more people are honest than not. And so if you ask the question the right way, you're more likely to get to a good answer that you're looking for. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. Thank you for sharing that. The saying that comes to mind is you don't know what you don't know. Then that applies when you think someone else is wrong also. <laughs> you right. don't know what Absolutely. You don't know. I mean, I, you know, as, as an auditor, I was on teams that had uh, the bad words came up. And, and by that, I mean things that you didn't ever want to find on an audit, but that's part of what auditors are there for. Mm-hmm. But by all means, the majority of what I worked with they just had a different way of calculating things or maybe their general ledger system works differently and doesn't provide as granular of detail or maybe they were having to do some calculations to get to what they needed to. And so if you went at them and said, hey, this doesn't make sense, your balance sheet is wrong, that's not going to yield you the right answer rather than if you go up to them and say, show me how you got to this knowledge. I just want to make sure that I can recalculate. And all of a sudden, you get to the right thing and they can explain it and the explanation actually makes sense and is logical. And it's just not necessarily what you know as, let's just say, a first-year auditor or a second-year auditor. And honestly, to some extent, those first- and second-year auditors can almost use the excuse of, hey, I've never seen this before, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's really good advice. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Sure. So, Mark, you know, you know this as as well as anyone, but the accounting world is a small world, and, and you don't want to burn bridges. And it does seem cliche, and we all hear things like that, but it really is the truth. And so, having been a student of at UTSA. I, I never imagined that moving from San Antonio to Dallas and after I did my time at uh, Deloitte and moved on to the company that I'm currently at, I've run into so many people from the UTSA community. And the day I started at my current company, I'm walking off the elevator after getting my ID badge and there standing in front of me is a guy that I was at UTSA with and he was pointing at me and saying, I know you. you know, that's just proof that it doesn't matter how far away he moved. I mean, that's almost 300 miles away and here's this guy that I went to school with working at the same company I'm at. <laughs> and who would have ever expected that? So you just want to make sure that you keep those relationships. That doesn't mean that you have to necessarily call on these people every week or every month or even every six months, but just make sure that the relationships are good, that you don't burn those bridges, and that that you realize that you never know when the person you're working with or working under at some point might be asking you for a job or vice versa, you might be asking them for a job. So true. So true. Yes. And I'm embarrassed to say I've lived to regret a couple <laughs> a couple situations at this point in my life and learned that one the hard way myself. So yeah, that is so true. You never know when you're going to run into someone that you met or where you may run into them. Very good advice. Very good advice. 
Well, Brian, thank you so much for answering the call, really, because that's what you did. I put it out there on LinkedIn a few times, and you contacted me back and said, hey, I don't know if you know this about me, but this is what I used to do. And this story was much more dynamic than I realized. So thank you so much for deciding to share it with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to do it. Well, that was my interview with Brian Goldbard, and I'm not sure we mentioned this during the interview or earlier on, but he's in the Dallas, Texas area. So there were a couple things that really stuck out to me in this interview, and one of them has nothing to do with the second career podcast idea or second career accountant idea. It was simply that lesson that he shared at the end about how to properly ask a question or how to ask a question in a better way. It's very easy just in life to be almost accusatory when you're asking a question, telling someone they're wrong through asking a question. And as Brian shared, that's really not the right way to do it. I found a lot of truth in that. And he mentioned that it can help you as an auditor to learn how to question in a non-combative way. But frankly, I think it can help you in all work relationships and all personal relationships as well. I'm sure we can all see how that would be beneficial. And then the second thing that really stuck out to me about this interview, and I guess it's because I've done a few second career accountant interviews now, is how intense and how serious people are when they go back to school later in life. And so if you didn't notice that commonality, it was something that definitely came out in Brian Goldbart's interview here, but also it came out in Bill Von Fumetti's interview earlier. It came out in Brian Henderson's interview earlier as well. And if you are working on accounting, as becoming your second career here soon and you're going through school now, I just wanted to point that out because if you're feeling that intensity, it's a common thing for individuals in that situation. You are definitely not alone. Well, thank you again for joining us. This has been another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. And I know I mentioned this a lot, but if there's anything I can do for you in your own career, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA. I'll pop right up. Or if you need a speaker for an accounting association, I'm happy to help there as well. Well, we will see you all next week. I really appreciate you choosing to listen to the show. Hope to see you again soon. After all, this is Where Accountants Go. Where Accountants Go.